Welcome to the Soul Service Podcast. I'm your host, Anastasia Burtnick. I am a spiritual life coach, energy healer, and psychic medium on a mission to help you heal, awaken, and expand your light and consciousness. If you are a spiritual seeker ready to learn, grow, and live and breathe your purpose here on this earth, you are in the right place, my friend. Together, we are going to dive deep into opening our hearts, healing our shadows, connecting with our souls, and erasing our vibes so you can live your best life ever. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Soul Service Podcast. You are tuning in with me, your host, Anastasia Burtnick. And on today's episode, I have a very special guest. Her name is Halai Farouk. And Halai is a feminine spirituality coach who works with female entrepreneurs, coaches, healers, and women who are ready to fully claim their divine power. She is an expert in feminine embodiment, and she helps women learn how to align with the natural rhythm of their intuitive body. So this is a really, really juicy episode. We are going into the ins and outs of feminine spirituality, embracing and really harnessing the power of your feminine magnetism. And we also go into different embodiment practices that you can use to really get into your feminine and feel the power in your emotions and harnessing your creativity and, and, and everything. And it's just going to be so, so beautiful. I can't wait for you to hear this episode. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hi, Halai. Thank you so much for coming on the Soul Service Podcast today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to diving into feminine spirituality today and how to really apply it in your life and getting to know more about who you are. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get in there because this is definitely my jam. <laughs> um, yes, feminine spirituality is, for me, mm-hmm. the art of discovering yourself and what that means to be love. So the feminine is love. The masculine is consciousness. And so whatever that means for you to be the embodiment of love in every moment of every day. Um, and it's just so fluid. It feels so good. It's true decision. So I, I love that because I come from a religious world. So it's okay. cool to kind of just play and, and be. Beautiful, beautiful. So how did you get into this work? And tell us a little bit more about who you are as a person as well. Yeah, so I, you know, like I mentioned, my background is in psychology, and I started out in like the health and wellness world. So I was very passionate about fitness and nutrition. And although I still care about health, today, I found that as I got deeper into that space, it had so much more to do with what was going on inside and how we felt about ourselves. And all the other things are just byproducts of what was really happening. Um, so I actually did some work in corporate for a while. I hated my life absolutely in, in corporate, that deep anxiety. I struggled with sexual harassment in the office, mm-hmm. which is something that I didn't feel comfortable opening up about and felt so much shame around. And so I quit very suddenly to travel the world and find myself, didn't find myself at, in the cliche term. Um, so I actually went back to the corporate world. And the second time around is when I started to find my way into spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, just the idea of there being more than what there is in this black and white world and 
doing what you're supposed to be doing and filling those expectations. So it's been quite a long, long journey to get to where I am, but at this exact moment, it's like, wow, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. It feels good. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, I'm really curious. So you mentioned that you started in the corporate world, left for a while to find yourself and then went back. Did you notice a difference between the signs, just looking back at your journey, between the signs you were getting in the corporate world the first time around to make a change versus the signs you were getting the second time around to make a change? Yeah, the first time around, it was a deep sense of like, oh my gosh, I'm so unhappy. I remember pressing the elevator in the morning and all of a sudden the anxiety would start to rise. Like, I can't, here we go. Here it goes another eight, nine, and here goes another five day work. Um, And so I let myself get to a true breaking point in Mm -hmm. my first time around. The second time around, I could sense like I was on the path to my breaking point, to my rock bottom. Um, So you do kind of notice a little bit of a difference, but the first time around took somebody else to get me out of there. I had a best friend who had um, recently decided she was going to quit her job and travel. So her giving me that push was part Mm -hmm. of my, my yes. I needed a little bit of that validation from the outside world. Perfect. That's so interesting. So what was, what, what do you think is the biggest difference between your friend giving you a little bit of that push and that validation to leave versus that second time when you left on your own? Do you feel like what was the difference in the personal power there and the decision-making? Yeah, I think the first time around, it truly felt like, are we sure? Is this really what we're going to do? I'm going to defy everything. I've worked so hard for this. I've gotten myself promoted. I'm making great money and I've checked off all the boxes. Like mm-hmm. this, this is where I am till retirement, right? Yeah. Um, so that was the big, big step of I'm actually going to break free from this normal paradigm. The second time around, I had already done that. <laughs> I had already left. I quit. I had traveled for about nine months. Mm-hmm. I had worked in hostels and restaurants and shamed my parents for, for having left a wonderful job in their eyes. Um, so I actually come from an immigrant family. So for them mm-hmm. to have their daughter in a third world country after they had immigrated to America for my, for, to live, fulfill the American dream was mm-hmm. an absolute nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the second time I did it, I was like, okay, you know what? I've already you know, reached every, defied every norm and had every emotion possible, I can do it again because I know it's worth it. Like I'm here now and I'm a better person because of that big jump that I took before. Mm -hmm. So this can only lead to more yes. I love that. I love that. How did it feel for you to come into like really honoring that yes within yourself? I remember I had a little game with the universe that I play. So this is about the time when, um, so the number 38 for me is big. That okay. is like the spirit guide number for me. I can feel it. And I remember I kept seeing it and I told myself, okay, the very last day that I'm, you know, I'm ready to quit this job. I need to get out of here. I need to get 38 as my computer code. Cause we had this two factor identification code every morning. Mm-hmm. And the morning came and I was like, you know what? This is the morning. I just already felt it. I already yeah. knew it. I had the sensation in my body and I got into work and I, um, I posted about it on my Instagram story and I had a friend who 
and it's an interesting story, but she was questioning. She's like, are you sure you're really going to do this? Like, you're going to give up everything. What's your business plan? How are you going to make it? How are you going to survive? And I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to do it. I don't know. And so I felt like she was a little reflection of my ego, but she texted me like 20 minutes after our little morning chat. Hey, I got 38 as my, uh, my morning code today. And I hadn't gotten it myself, but it was such a beautiful sign from my guides. I felt like that you're going to receive this feedback. You're going to have this fear. All these questions are going to be there, but it's still a yes. Um, and it was so interesting that my friend was like sitting here mirroring it back to me. And it was almost like, mm -hmm. wait, you're supposed to be the supportive one. I'm supposed to lean on you. Um, and it was this moment of, no, you lean on you. I, I got me. I can make it. I have the support. I have the guidance. I don't need anyone to tell me, good job. You got it. And so that was the biggest difference the second time around that I, no one told me if anything, people actually questioned me more, but it was worth it. That's amazing. I love that. And I love that your friend was that mirror for you and that the universe was playing those like fun little games with you. Cause I, you know, I think sometimes we put so much pressure on getting signs that we don't allow them to come, but you just had fun with it and you allowed it to come in whatever way it was meant to. So I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're so right. People are looking for very uh, calculated signs like A plus B equals C. And this is going to be a very obvious yes, but they show up in sneaky ways and you have to be open to receiving maybe a sign that you didn't want to get or mm -hmm. a, a pull that wasn't so obvious. A lot of times people say, I'm not receiving the sign. It's like, well, is there an answer that you're receiving, you're waiting to receive? Or are you open to receiving the sign to the answer? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, um, when it comes to receiving signs too, the other thing is that oftentimes when we're so focused on receiving the sign, sometimes we actually block it because we're afraid of getting the sign or we're afraid of getting the answer that we do want deep down. So we, we block it and we are like, oh, well, I didn't get the sign. So I guess that's a no, it's okay. I don't have to go change my life or live my purpose or like follow my soul. Yeah, it's like this secret relief that we get like, oh, okay, I wasn't supposed to do it. Um, but you're actually pushing it away so deeply. And, and maybe you're not ready at that point. Maybe you're not. Or maybe the fear truly is kind of overcoming your intuition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did you start getting into feminine, it's feminine spirituality versus just kind of the awakening in your journey? Yeah. So I feel like the, the spirituality part comes first, like mm -hmm. the aspect of there is more and I have a deeper connection to a higher power in my path. And then feminine spirituality is the connection to all of this through yourself, through your own body and through your intuition that you fully feel within. I um, mean, the feminine is, she's water, she's movement, she's emotion, she is wild, messy, sexy, ugly, whatever she wants to be, she's all of that. Mm -hmm. And so learning to take every bit of yourself and allow that to be your guidance system and that, that to be your higher power, your, your Yes, your moral code is all within you. And so less of seeking for answers outside of you and more of the intuitive feeling. Now I, I definitely see those signs and I have that connection, but the, it's more of an internal feeling within me and a knowing rather than something outside of me. But it's a great way to introduce you and then going one step further is going into feminine spirituality. Beautiful. 
So when you're going into feminine spirituality, you know, you mentioned that the, the feminine is, is life, it's movement, it's emotions, experiences, all of that, that kind of encompasses life. Now, how might one start to really embrace all of life and the feminine? Like, what are some of the first steps you might take? Mm-hmm. Embracing the parts of you that maybe you don't like. So what is it that you're holding back from the world? that you're hoping no one notices, that you kind of keep to yourself, maybe what you do in your alone time. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing a quote of like, you know, be the same person privately, publicly and personally or something like that. And I just didn't really fully resonate with it. Like you're allowed to be all of that, but honor all of that. Like, okay, so what if there is a different version of you privately? Cool. Mm -hmm. Let's own that. Let's make that real. You don't need to hide it. It's just, yeah, that's just the private version of me. And that's so okay. But it's not a secret version of you. And that's what I think is, is starting to, to face some of the stuff that we try to push away and keep from the, the regular world. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that you brought up that quote and the, the difference between the quote and the way you see it and embracing those different parts of yourself, especially if there is a difference between that private part of yourself versus that public part and not feeling shame around that. So if you were to start really playing with that and embracing that more, how might you honor the differences between the private and part and public parts of yourself so that you can be everything that you are without trying to put yourself into such a rigid box? Mm. honoring both the private and the public part of you is is starting to claim it. So that's why I think with feminine spirituality is connecting with other women. So we're all going through it. We're all messy. We all have these parts of us that we try to kind of keep to ourselves talking about it, owning Mm -hmm. up to that. And we have such a culture of individuality. And I think that's the hard part about the world that we live in. We are in a more masculine driven world where everyone's focused on their plan and their purpose and what they're doing and where they're going um, rather than the connection to your community and sitting down with your emotions and saying, I am having a rough day. Like, how about you? How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, owning up to the ickiness. It's okay. And when you can do that in just a mini circle and a big part of the work that I do is women's circles where mm-hmm. you claim this is the part of me that I don't like. And I'm hoping that you don't notice you know, if you really knew me, you would know. So by owning up to these and vocally claiming this as part of you and part of your story, it's no longer buried in and truly just that bringing it to surface. Not everybody needs to see it right away. if You're not comfortable with that, but at least just owning it verbally. Why is the verbal component so important with that? I mean, just notice what that feels like. Yeah. If someone asks you, how are you? And, and you just say, honestly, I, I feel kind of crappy. Like I'm in a bad mood. I don't feel like socializing. I, I want to be with myself. It, there's shame around that. We want mm-hmm. to feel like we're, we got it together and we're so happy. And we have this standard of who we think we should be mm-hmm. feeling the shame. Like, great. I feel shame around the fact that I'm not doing well. And now, you know, what is that like that people know I am not in tip that's scary. Um, and so just that alone, being with the feelings of claiming that is going to open up another layer of you and you will feel resistance and it will kind of create this like cognitive dissonance of, wait, what are we doing? 
this isn't safe, this is dangerous, they might not like us, you might be too much. Mm -hmm. um, and the biggest, biggest theme for the feminine is this fear of being too much, that my love is too much. I will never be able to be in, you know, I'll be too much for everybody. I'm never gonna receive enough because I demand too much. She is infinite love. She, you know, even when she receives love, she still wants more love. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's a deep, deep rooted fear that I will never receive enough love because I'm in a constant yearning and craving for more. Um, so just starting by saying, yeah, I, this is what I want. This is what I feel. And whatever feelings come around, around that. I love that. Yeah, you know, even um, in my own experience, verbalizing it has always been a huge part of my own healing journey. And I've done so much journaling and I love journaling. I think it's an amazing tool, but I, I have found that within myself, being able to just talk about something and just verbalize it and let it come out of my head and actually into the world so that I can release that energy has been so potent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With like affirmations, saying them out loud, there mm -hmm. is a big difference. A lot of the times when I give homework or practices for my clients, mm -hmm. I suggest video journals. Like writing is great, but can you do a video journal? Can you sit there and just let yourself ramble or let you cry or be in a sticker? Do you give your permission to have that container of just being pissed off or being whiny if you want to whine? I mean, it's so cool to be able to unload all those emotions. And then another layer, when you watch back that video and you get to witness yourself experience emotion, it is mm -hmm. so powerful creates that separation and, and that level of compassion and self-love like oh that's me that mm -hmm. is a part of me I am enduring this on this roller coaster and so it allows you to kind of separate yourself from the emotions and be able to witness them in a really powerful way where you finally start to have that level of self-love that is a little bit more difficult without that I think that's a really beautiful point that you just made especially around witnessing it back because you know so often I think we're, we're good at pro like, even if we're practicing, we're good at processing and just talking about things and, and recording the video, but to watch it back and have that extra layer of seeing the way our faces, the way our body is, the way, like the energy that we have when we're expressing mm. the emotion. I think that's really important as a next step, not just doing the initial recording, but watching yourself. Cause we, we so often can't sit with our emotions and having to then watch, watch it back and sit with it and experience it as other people might view us in the world mm -hmm. in that mess. I think that is incredibly powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's a challenging part with like self-love is because we know how to direct our love at our job, mm -hmm. but self-love feels so aimless. And when you witness this, um, but, you know, just like you said, it's this level of, ah, I see you, I see myself. And it suddenly becomes like, you're allowed to do this and it's okay to feel this. And I love you despite this messiness. Um, so it's, it's really beautiful. And I, I am still to this day, I'm a video journal, you know, give yourself the private safe space, set a timer for 10, 15, 20 minutes and unload. You know, when you have that container, so the, the dynamic with the masculine and the feminine is that you have the of, okay, the next 15 minutes, I am just going to drop whatever comes out. 
then your feminine is allowed to fully indulge in the emotion because she knows she's safe space that when the 15 minutes is up, I'm done. I get to pull it together and I get to move back into the world. Mm-hmm. So it allows you to kind of like go all in when you have that contained space. I love that. Especially with that play of having that masculine container. That's really key because otherwise we just spin all over the place and then it doesn't feel safe for us to be spinning and messy without having that like safety net. Yeah. It's a little bit endless. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes, it can be. <laughs> so when it comes to using your feminine spirituality to navigate life, what are some tips you have? Because we as women are so cyclical just in our own bodies. And then when we relate to the moon cycles, we're very cyclical. So how do you utilize the feminine spirituality and all of those cycles to have, make the best out of your time and your energy and creativity in life? Yeah, that's a beautiful question because you're right. We are super cyclical. Masculine is linear. they one track minded. Um, and even like with the way that they think they're not able to, and this is not gender related. It's just dominantly masculine or feminine energy within your body. But the masculine typically is only able to focus on one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. Whereas the feminine is, is so capable of multitasking and juggling and shifting back and forth. And so it can be difficult. Like how do I balance everything? We are super women in the way that we can, but also it can feel overwhelming because we have this tendency to shift all over the place. And so connecting with people is super powerful. And this is a big part of what kind of changed and, and helped me get into the be successful business is learning this is not the time for that, or this is the time for that. So every week of your cycle carries feminine energy. Um, you start off by, you know, with menstruation, it's like a purging and a release and saying no, like, what is it that I want to get rid of? What doesn't belong in my life anymore? There's the, the second stage of going into more of the flirty phase and you're more excited to try new things. You're ready to fail a little bit easier. You're willing to sample things without committing. Um, so that's usually when I like to go on dates and when I like to try new ideas or new recipes, you have this willingness to be like, if I fall, whatever, I'm okay. I'll bounce back. And then you move into your ovulation where you actually make commitments, where you choose what your yes is. You know how to honor that. You're birthing creations. You are actually showing up as who you are because you have more clarity in who you are. And then the final stage is when you reach kind of like your wild, wise woman. And so she does more of like an evaluation of, all right, what's happened this past cycle? And what do we have to give? How can I serve the world with all that I've taken on? And every month this happens. You don't have to wait till you're in your retirement to suddenly be at that role. Um, every single month, it's so cool that we get to experience almost like an entire lifetime within a month. Mm-hmm. And we have different energies and you know, possibility within every week and every day. So learning that mm-hmm. and not forcing yourself into something that feels out of alignment is the best way to avoid burnout and, and feeling just unfulfilled. So how have you found that following your cycle in that way and the cyclical nature of it, how has that affected your energy and creativity? So, so much. Um, So I, because I do work on Instagram and for my clients, I know that if I force myself into creativity, it won't come out. It just is impossible. And then I will actually feel down on myself 
So there are certain phases of your cycle, which, you know, when you're in the PMS phase, everybody hates on it. And I hate that there even are pills for PMS to get rid of the moodiness. That's mm -hmm. real. If you are judging yourself and you have triggers and limiting beliefs, that is so real for that phase. And the point of that is for you to heal whatever shows up there. So if I force myself into like creativity or putting out content or trying to come up with a new course during that phase, I'm going to feel so bad about myself. I'm going to judge everything that shows up. And then you feel like I'm not making any progress. Mm -hmm. So by forcing yourself into an energy that's out of alignment with what your body needs, you're actually hurting yourself more than you're serving yourself. So it makes a massive, massive difference. That's amazing. You know, um, I've, I've studied this work as well within my own life and I apply it. And one of the things that I find fascinating with the differences it does make in, in creativity and energy and everything is when you're going against your cycle, and you're going against that cyclical nature, how burned out you get and how you end up losing that feminine life force because it's just, it's sapping your energy because you're trying to do things in such a linear fashion. Mm -hmm. So this is really, really powerful work. And I, I love that you implemented in your life and you're, you're teaching it and just how well you explain that for our listeners. It's beautiful. Yeah. And, and you're so right, right there that it actually does deplete you energetically and that's not how life should be. Unfortunately, we live in a world that says, I kind of get a little bit of satisfaction when I reach the end of the day and I worked so hard that I, I feel like I need to lay down and just veg. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we live in a world that kind of aches to reach that point of burnout and we, we feel a sense of worthiness by reaching that. But work should actually fuel you. It should energize you. And if it's taking anything away from you, you are out of alignment. That's just a fact. And your body's saying no, and you're against your cycle more than likely. So it, it should feel that good. And I think that if we change our belief system of what it should feel like, then, then we'll start to attract a different standard. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Now with, with feeling good within your, within your cycle, within your life, and within just the feminine energy, how do you find that kind of need to have that soft, feel-good feminine affects how we actually embrace all of our feminine? Because the, the feminine is not just soft and it's not just like flowy dresses and goddess ceremonies. There's also that, that deep mess within it. So how do you find um, you navigate it and just how do you find the, um, the need to always have that soft flowing energy affects the other side of the feminine, which is like the darker side of the feminine. So the need to have it is like, you mean the wanting to stay in that soft space? Yeah. And I think society, even as we come into embracing the feminine more, it still tells us that it can only be one way where it mm -hmm. can only be soft. So it's still, we still can't have the mess, but that's yeah. a big part of it. Yeah, I think that's what's interesting. So the softness can get a little bit mixed up. So you can be in full receptive mode. I can be in receiving. I can be in just existing and allowing things to come to me without just being soft and cute and pretty. I can be fiery and 
and wild and sexy and, and bold, but still be in the backseat and just receiving. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think that's the difference there is you don't need to actually be making things happen for yourself and not charging out there in the world. You can be bold seen and be magnetizing what you want to you. You don't need to be soft and small in order to be feminine and to be, you know, more in that flowy space. And you're right. That is something that's definitely very confused, but it's your energy. Are you can be the most goddessy woman, but be so in your masculine in the way that your energy is operating and how you're showing up. I have mm-hmm. definitely worked with coaches and other women who come off that way, but actually the way that they're operating in their lifestyle and their business and their relationships is quite quite rigid and structured and there are expectations that that are just you know not necessarily in that receiving I will get exactly as I'm supposed to get I will get all of my desires without doing anything Mm, yeah absolutely so with um if going off of that example of having a woman who on the outside appears overtly feminine. They, they have that goddess energy going on. And if you were to look at them, you'd be like, oh, they're so feminine. But if they're in their masculine, how might that show up in their life if they're not actually in their true feminine? Yeah. So this is a great one because this is something that used to trigger me a lot. I remember thinking the most beautiful, sexy women who just like have it together. And it kind of makes the rest of us think we're doing it wrong that, you know, they've got the feminine thing down and all of us need to like catch up to the standard the beauty standard totally puts us on that pedestal, but people can so be in that space of I'm checking off the boxes. I'm doing the feminine things. You know, I, I'm, I'm not reaching out first to the person. I'm, I'm just going to wait. But I think the easiest way to kind of describe this is if you think about dating, you can be in your feminine by saying, okay, I'm going to let the guy take me out on the date and pay and pick me up and organize the plans, whatever. But if you're showing up to the date and you're focused on, okay, what is the end goal here? What are we trying to get to? Is this a relationship? Evaluating the person, checking up if they, you know, reach all of the criteria for you and, um, you know, just saying, hey, what's the relationship status? Trying to feel things out. You are actually fully in control. You know, you can sit in a passenger seat, but the more that you're focused on where is this going, what's happening, the evaluation, that, that is fully in your masculine. And that's going to push the partner into their feminine. They're going to feel the pressure of, okay, well, she's the driver and the organizer of purpose. That's what the masculine typically is supposed to do. He's focused on purpose and she is focused on love. So when you show up to that relationship, are you in a place of what are we, where are we going? What am I getting out of this? Or are you just there like, well, I'm just showing my love. I am bringing more love to this interaction. I am bringing more aliveness to this moment. I am sparking more of love in this other person by showing up as myself. That's it. Can I just do that and receive all the rest of the gifts that come? And even Mm -hmm. if it is the soulmate love that I'm craving and a lifelong partner, that will come to me when I just show up as love rather than when I ask him the tough questions and set some standards. Yeah. That's such a great example. And yeah, you know, 
thinking back at even in my own past relationships, there were times when I would try to control everything. And then there are definitely times, especially now with my partner, where I just let him lead, let him make the decisions. And I allow myself to receive. And when you get into that fun receiving pocket where you just stop making the decisions and you can, you can still have that input of what you love and what you don't love and the things that you do desire versus don't desire having fun with it though, versus trying to control it's so liberating and it just energizes you. Yes. I so, so feel that. And what you're saying, it, that's the exact feeling that the masculine feels when he gets to have the leadership and when he gets to be the organizer and feels like he is in his power in that way. Like, just like you feel like you're in your magnetic power when you're able to receive everything and not put in that effort. He feels powerful when he does the effort and he does give you joy. So it's this beautiful, perfect relationship and it is fun for both sides and it's supposed to be like that when you are in your natural flow. So that, that is being in your feminine. It is supposed to be that good. We just, it's hard to always balance that. And it is a challenge, of course, in every relationship, but knowing it's not my job to do all these things. I get to be, and it will, I will receive when I just exist. What do you find some of the biggest struggles are for women to get into that pocket of receiving and flow so that they can just be versus trying to control everything? Um, I think one of the, the biggest challenges, it really is the world that we live in with the structured society that we have. It's going to be a challenge a little bit to break free from, okay, I'm in my work world. I can be in my masculine mode, but can I equally shift out of it? Mm. You know, we need to remember it's okay to honor your masculine. Everyone has that side of them and totally own that recognize when it's time to shift back. So knowing that difference within your body, knowing what it feels like when you do drive in your masculine versus when you are in your feminine, owning both powers. Um, that's the biggest thing I think is, is recognizing there's so much power in the feminine. And even though the world we live in is masculine, you on your own can be really successful in your feminine. So moving into success of the feminine, which I feel like sometimes we feel like we can't be successful in our feminine. Like we have to be in that masculine energy. We have to be hustling and pushing and doing all these things in order to be successful, in order to be worthy. How can we attract more success in our feminine and utilize that energy in the best way? Attracting what you want is, it starts by truly knowing what you want. And I think this is the challenge with a lot of people is think of what you want and then think of why it is that you want it. And so your desire, your deep longing, that is magnetic. That is what calls in. But if you're disconnected from your desire or your desire is more like of a surface level desire for approval or validation or security, that's not enough. That's not like a deep soul wrenching connection. So when it goes deeper, lower down to that core of who you are, that is when it's magnetic and that's when it shows up. So when you feel into that, own that, like, yeah, this is what I want. And you have this confidence that it's coming because you get to have that because your desire is actually feeding the entire universe. That when you're in your desire and you get what you want, you show up as bigger, brighter, more loving than everyone around you actually receives that. It's truly contagious. 
and you're actually lifting the vibration of the entire planet. So why not? Why not desire more? Ask for more. Don't be content. You can have gratitude for where you are, but still ache for more. And that's the biggest part of the feminine. I said before, she wants more. Cool. Keep wanting more. It's okay. It's okay if you're never satisfied. That is actually in service to everybody around you by you having this aching for, for deep, deeper love, deeper connection, more altogether. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the feminine, I, I love that the feminine is always looking to be filled up with life, with experiences. And that's why that, that more is not a bad thing because otherwise if we're not allowing ourselves to dream and fill up and experience things on those deeper levels, we're shutting off part of our life force and that, that growth and everything that fills up life. Cause otherwise life would be empty and just bland and the same all the time and nothing would ever change because we wouldn't be wanting more in life. So that it's, that's such a beautiful key. Yeah, totally. So where we are, where we are today is because the human population has wanted to better itself. Mm. So why should we stop? You know, it's, that's not exactly in service to anybody and definitely not to future generations. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So now I'm really curious about feminine magnetism. Now we've touched on it in a few of the points that we, we just touched on, but I want to know what is feminine magnetism? What does that mean to you? And what is, what does it mean to our listeners? It, yeah. So it is a lot of what we've talked about um, is being able to just attract what it is that you want by being in the desire of wanting it. Um, so owning your desire and allowing that to make its way to you. Um, Part of what we do with um, this, the pre-ovulation phase, so that's kind of where I feel like the feminine magnetism really comes up the most, okay. is that she, she feels sexy and she owns her pleasure. Mm. So the fact that she desires pleasure for no reason at all, like, I just want to feel good. That's it. I'm not trying to save the world. I just want to feel good. Mm-hmm. That is so, so allowed. And that's what I, what I mean when I say fe- feminine magnetism. She's like calling in what she wants by truly being in like her sexy field, by knowing that she looks good and feels good and, you know, shows up as a brighter, beautiful woman. And so allowing your pleasure to actually be what's pulling in joy. Uh, You can have pleasure for no reason at all. Um, I think that's so powerful that we don't need to always be saving the world and, and making a big impact. Sometimes you could truly just crave to have whatever it is that you want. And it could be as simple as feeding your cravings with food, feeding your cravings with sex, with relationships. Feeding into your cravings at the core is ultimately what's giving you more clarity in what you want um, and having more of that intuitive knowing, like, this is for me. This is what I crave. This is what I desire. Perfect. So if somebody has a block around getting into that pleasure state and or filling up on their, on their cravings so that they get those experiences and that, that good juicy feeling. What might you recommend for someone who has kind of blocks around getting into that energy? It would be challenging, I guess, to find out what each individual's is, but what is it about yourself 
that you're denying to have that sense of pleasure. And it, a lot of times it will come more from like an inner child space or maybe a past relationship. But mm-hmm. in what way do you not feel worthy of pleasure? Do you try to hold that and restrict that from yourself? Um, when it comes to self-pleasure practices, you know, even if you are somebody who uses a vibrator, do you give yourself full permission to enjoy that? Or do you give yourself permission to do nothing all day? Do you give yourself permission to um, be selfish and ask for all that you want, even if it benefits nobody? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we grow up as like these self-sacrificing women, and that's very much deeply in our lineage of being able to give to others and in our motherly instincts, of course, that unconditional giving nature. But can you just give it just for you? Can you have it just for you? And that's it. And this is where that self-worth thing comes from. Is it okay to do things exclusively for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such a key point where you're doing things exclusively for you. Because so often we're doing things for everyone else. And even when we do things for ourselves, it's typically not fully for ourselves. It's, and there's, there's guilt or shame or other strings attached to it. So to really embrace it and do it just for you because it feels good and it feels nourishing to you. That is a really, really key point. Yeah, absolutely. You are allowed to enjoy for no reason at all. Mm -hmm. And so that's important. And I think as women, we are constantly in an outward giving nature. So it makes sense. This is a challenge, but this is definitely what it pulls us into that feminine magnetism space. Because if you think about magnetism, people want to be around you. Opportunities want to be with you. It's like, imagine if money was a human and it wanted, your money wants to hang out with you. If you're a cool person, you're living a great life, you actually attract money to you. You actually attract partners and um, you know, job opportunities, things like that come to you when you're already in a good space. So you are magnetic because you are feeding your pleasure. You're allowing yourself to be happy already before the things in your life start to arrive. And so that is how magnetism starts to show up is that things, outside things, want to be around you because you're that freaking awesome. So when you're in the opposite state, when you're in more of a wounded feminine what kind of things might you attract to you if you're, you're cause we're, we're magnetic, like you just said. So we're always attracting mm-hmm. things, but if you're in that wounded state, what might you be attracting instead of the jobs and opportunities and money and love and experiences that you want? Yeah. So you're definitely going to be ex- attracting experiences that are meant to heal that wound. That's, that's the way that I see it. Not that you're trapped and you're screwed and you're just wounded you're attracting experiences that are going to further trigger the wounds that are within you so if you have a deep sense of like an abandonment uh, wound that's within you from your inner child or a relationship you will attract experiences in your life with friends or partners that will push you back into that sensation of abandonment and the intention for that is to get you to feel those feelings so i'm a strong believer that it will come back and it will continue to recycle itself until you say, okay, I'm in it. I, I surrender to the feeling of, I do feel abandoned. I feel unworthy. I feel not enough. 
And if you allow yourself to fully immerse in the feeling of not enough and, and damaged and, and abandoned and see what comes up, just stay with those feelings, allow them permission to be alive within you. Then they will be able to leave your body and you can stop recycling. Um, but every experience in our life is a beautiful mirror as to what's going on inside. And it's a great reflection of great. This is what I need to work on. This is what limiting belief I still have within me. Um, so it's both empowering and also a little scary when it arrives. It's like, Oh, great. I have a lot to work on, but mm-hmm. it's nothing is random. Everything is a beautiful roadmap and life will hand you these experiences as you're ready to heal them. So you won't be dumped with everything wrong all at once you'll have layers. And as you continue to evolve and your healing journey strengthens, bigger challenges might show up, but each time you're more, you're more capable of holding space for that emotion. Mm. You know, it's such, um, that's such an important perspective to have when it comes to looking at the wounded feminine and how it attracts things in. I think sometimes and I've noticed this even with my own clients that I've worked with is they put so much emphasis on what they're attracting and then they can beat themselves up for attracting situations that might be hard or that might be asking them to heal, but they don't always, at least when they start working with me, they don't always look at the opportunities for healing and they, instead they beat themselves up for attracting that drama or attracting that negative relationship. Um, but I love the perspective that you gave where it's really an opportunity to heal and feel your feelings, maybe even for the first time, because so often we're pushing them away. So that's a really amazing perspective to have. Yeah, it, it makes a big difference. And emotions are meant to be felt. That's why they're there and they don't get out until you feel them. So you cannot escape them without experiencing them. There's no way out. No, nobody has any shortcuts and people ask me, okay, what are some quick tricks or ways to move through it? There aren't. That's the hard answer. No, there aren't. Mm -hmm. When you're triggered, let yourself feel, you know, and then until then be with whatever arises. like let yourself ride the wave of your feminine, crazy, emotional mess. Let it be. And the mess is beautiful. 100%. Absolutely. So do you have any tips for embodiment practices for the feminine? Yeah. So the big thing for me that I love, really love doing is um, the video journal. So that's a great start. Just if you've Mm -hmm. never done anything with emotions at all, starting out with a video journal and just allowing yourself to speak. If you need to cry in that space, get angry, whine, act like a child, do that. Like the container Mm -hmm. is for you for that reason. Um, that's a great way to start off. Another thing that I love doing is um, doing kind of like erotic, sexy dancing on my own right before I'm going in the shower. I do this almost every day. Um, find a mood, what's, whatever your mood is that day, a playlist or something. And if you're, you can do this completely naked, it's the best really. But being able to witness your body for what it is and have that play and that sensual pleasure and to do that interaction with yourself with whatever sensation or that mood is present and alive within you mm-hmm. is so powerful. 
Um, I remember the first time I did this, I remember thinking, this is so weird. Like I, I'm just like staring at my own body and dancing with myself and watching everything jiggle. And you know, it, it feels <laughs> unnatural. Um, yeah. And I almost felt embarrassed actually. Like, what am I doing? This is inappropriate. Um, there was even shame around it, but it feels like a odd thing. Like this is also my own body. There goes my programming that says, this isn't normal. This is weird. So this is a, a really a good one that I, that I definitely love. And um, I think anybody can definitely start with that. I love those. Those are amazing practices. And, you know, getting into that, that place where you're just allowing your body to move however it feels like it needs to move and witnessing your body as it is and not judging it and just letting it be and jiggle and just, oh, that's beautiful. And it's so powerful. And, and you're right. It can feel weird and sometimes scary and shameful because we're, we're always told that we have to be so perfect, but to just be that messy movement, oh, that's, that's so freeing in, in and of itself. Yeah. Messy movement. I, I love that. Um, it is it's super powerful. And yeah, witnessing yourself, the goal, when, until you see yourself, no one can really see you. And so you have to give yourself that permission to truly witness yourself. Speaking of being seen, how might someone start overcoming that fear of being seen in the feminine? The fear of being seen in, like within your feminine space or just being seen? More like being seen outwardly because the, the embodiment practices that you just gave us is amazing for being seen like within yourself. Mm-hmm. But now taking that messy feminine and putting it out into the world so you're shining as your full self, how might you address like the fears around being seen in that way? Because the feminine itself can be overwhelming and, and we're going back into that too much feeling. So mm-hmm. how might we overcome that? Mm-hmm. So the sensation of being too much when you're showing up. So that does show up in different phases of our cycle, of course, like the need to, to stay restricted and, and be in a box. But ultimately it's going to come down to you finding what is authentic for you, what feels authentic. Um, and that's going to come within your own body, the relationships that feel like a yes. Is this something that I want to be a part of? Do I want to speak up in this moment? Do I want to uh, take part in this group activity? All of this is going to come from within, just like a knowing of this is authentic for me. This is my mm-hmm. truth. And there, I can't say necessarily that there's like a way that you can be seen more. You can allow yourself to be more seen. It's, it's you. you. You know when your people are witnessing you. And you know what? You might be able to hide that from me. But you know, you know in your heart, are people witnessing me? Am I allowing people to witness me? And it's, it's right there. It's in the, can I give others permission to witness me? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it'll start with yourself. So once you see you're ugly, you are no longer in this constant battle trying to hide that part of you. And once you're not forcing it down, it just naturally is, is more as a part of your aura. Mm-hmm. And you have this deeper sense of acceptance and people can see you. So again, nothing you need to do. It's, it's who you are within. It's, it's how you show up, how you 
glow in a room mm. um, is really, yeah, I, that's the best answer I can really think of at this moment that there's no action, truly. Start within whatever you're hiding that can kind of be starting to, to get cleaned out. Yeah. I love that you said that there's no action because it's really more just about being and deriving pleasure from that opening versus deriving pleasure from closing yourself off. Yeah, I love that. There's, there is pleasure in being closed off. There is pleasure in knowing, ah, there's, I'm hiding this from you. You're not able to know this about me. It's a, it's a little secret that I have with me and my inner self. So you're right. There's totally pleasure in being closed off, but there's absolutely some resistance in being fully open. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it is different. The world is different when you're there, you, when you're fully cut open and seen. And that is when you, you attract them in your most vulnerable state. That is when love shows up. That mm-hmm. is when opportunity comes to you. Spirit shows up through you. Downloads and intuition comes, is in your vulnerability. So you can live under the mask, but that, that is true unfulfillment in your feminine nature. Amazing. Yeah. I love that really, that, that taking off the mask and just being in your feminine and your, your true feminine. I think that's something that we need to really practice on a regular basis. Otherwise we're, yeah, we're, it's like we're living like half of ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there's mm-hmm. so much more that can be seen. Again, it goes back to the feminine. There's always so much more. You can want more. Right. You can be more. There's always that more feeling. Yeah. She is infinite. So we, we are all spirits. You know, we're spirits in this human body and our, our human body can only contain so much. Mm-hmm. So there, there is so much more to every human being. There's so much more to ourselves. I think we can spend a whole lifetime discovering ourselves, let alone somebody else. So it, it is pretty magical that we have this endless journey. And, and that's why we're here till the end. We're, not, we're never done. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm woke. I'm cleared. I'm <laughs> healed. That just that yeah. moment doesn't exist. Um, there's so much more than we even have this one lifetime. To get mm-hmm. to. Yeah, there's no final mic drop where you get to walk off the stage. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I wish, right? It's like, all right, now I get to chill. <laughs> That's our masculine. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, Halai, um, is there anything that you wish you had known at the start of your journey that would help our listeners? I think what I biggest thing really is that if there's a pull, if there's like any bit of a calling, it is not there for no reason. Whatever is in your heart that was quite literally planted into you from the divine. Mm-hmm. And it is your purpose, your f- calling to fulfill that. And, and nothing is, is randomly inputted in there. I think there's so much fear, especially in the coaching world, can I do this? You know, am I going to make it? I want to, but, but is it worth it? Any kind of healer, I feel like we all kind of go through the same imposter syndrome. And the reality is that if it's in you, it's yours. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just the fact. Perfect. 
And do you have any um, recommendations for books or resources for our readers to get into their feminine spirituality more and really develop this part of themselves? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a ton of great books out there. Um, I think Wild Power was a great one that I started out with. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a good way just to sync up with your cycle and understand the feminine over history and really knowing who we were and where we are now. Mm -hmm. So that's a good one to just kind of start out with. Um, Code Red is another great one. It's it's written kind of like in a little sassy style, which is really nice. Um, So I I like that too. It's very consolidated in an easy read, I would say. Mm -hmm. Perfect. I will definitely link those in the show notes. So thank you for those recommendations. And Code Red is definitely one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So a fun question for you. If you were to describe yourself as a metaphor, what would you be? It could be anything in the world. Uh, a metaphor. Oh my gosh, I'm like struggling to think of what what kind of metaphors I even know out there. Or, or <laughs> even just like, if you were to describe yourself as something, what would it be? So what pops into my head a lot when I, ever, I think of this is a duck. Uh, okay. If I could describe myself, it would be a duck. First of all, because my name, Halai, means duck. Okay, and that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so a big part of that is, you know, my name meaning duck, I felt like it was this some kind of like deep spiritual thing. And maybe I was a duck in a past life. Maybe this is part <laughs> of my story. There's this deep soul soul contract I have to fulfill. And um, so I, I really have a lot of faith in um faith in fate and the way that things play out in this world and how things are beautifully constructed. And mm-hmm. there are those like soul family connections and that's how I feel about ducks. Um, but also I've always seen ducks as you know how they're just kind of cruising on the top of the water, chilling, cool, calm and collected, but under they're actually just like hustling and making things happen and just like working on themselves. I've definitely seen myself a little bit like that in the past. Like, I'm working so hard, but I want to seem so chill and so cool, calm, and collected. And definitely the feminine is like that. It's so crazy and wild, but we (laughs) want to seem sexy and poised and like we got it together. Um, But yeah, that's a big part of me. Like if you could think of me, it's like, yeah, I definitely resonate with ducks in a lot of ways. (laughs) I love that. I'm definitely going to have to look up the spiritual or the spirit animal meaning of ducks now too. Yeah, I was in Egypt earlier this year and they were all over the hieroglyphs and I'm like, oh, they're onto something. So maybe there's something here. (laughs) That's so cool. And I love that it relates so perfectly with the masculine and feminine too, with that, like the surface level and then what everything that's going on underneath. That's amazing. (laughs) I know. I know. I think that was the first time it came out like that and it felt really good to say that. So that was a great question. (laughs) Well, thank you. I love, I love your answer. And I'm just picturing like a a kind of a feminine duck strutting its stuff now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's magnetic. Yes, absolutely. Magnetic ducks. (laughs) Like at fairs, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) No, now I'm going down a rabbit hole. (laughs) As usual. Yeah, I get there. (laughs) So is there anything else you feel like our listeners should know before we close off this beautiful interview? I mean, the biggest thing really finding and following your joy, do what feels good. That's it. 
nothing else matters than what feels good. And whatever feels good will lead you into where you're supposed to be and the bigger decisions and the bigger answers in life that truly follow what feels good. And that's it. Amazing. That is such simple advice. And it's such beautiful advice. So what is the best way for my listeners to get in touch with you, to connect with you? Where do you hang out online? Instagram is definitely the best way to connect with me. I'm most active on there. You can DM me. I'm always on and happy to connect me. Questions. Um, I also run an online course as well as one-on-one coaching. So yeah, whether you're somebody more lax and want that independent coursework, you definitely have that option or one-on-one obviously is way more intense. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the few different ways that you can work with me. Perfect. And I will have all of that linked for you in the show notes so you can connect with Halai and... Yeah. Is there anything else you want to tell our listeners? Anything, uh, do you have any, anything coming up, free gifts, um, other courses, anything like that, that you want to share? I will probably be hosting a free women's circle in a couple weeks. So I can definitely keep you in the loop on when that happens. So when this episode airs, then you can link it there. Okay, perfect. I will make sure to do that. So keep your eyes open as you're listening for that free women's circle and definitely go collect with Halai, connect with Halai, sorry. And um, yeah, she is amazing. Thank you so much for coming on this interview. This was just such a wonderful conversation. I loved picking your brain and really delving into your wealth of knowledge. And thank you for sharing your heart so openly. Thank you. This is so fun. I I really enjoyed kind of going all over the place with this. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Thanks you guys for tuning in and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for joining me today on the soul service podcast. If you love what you heard, I would be over the moon if you would share this episode with your friends and leave me a five-star review and subscribe over on iTunes. I want to help as many people as I can, and I can't do it without your support. I'll see you on the next episode.